You are listening to The Real Faith Stories Podcast, interviews with people who chose to boldly follow their faith. I'm your host, Brian Robinson. Now, let's meet our guest and hear their story. Tommy Breedlove, welcome to Real Faith Stories. It is so good to have you here. My brother, I am grateful and humbled to be here with you and cannot wait to have this inspiring and amazing conversation. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. You know, I'd love to hear your backstory and specifically what led you into a two-year journey that quite literally changed everything in your life and led you to where you are today, right now, speaking to me on this podcast. (laughs) Well, let me restate. I am humbled and grateful to be here, and I'll start um, semi-toward the beginning. And so I grew up in South Atlanta, and this is relevant to where I am today, and I'll I'll do this quickly. But I grew up in South Atlanta in a good, hardworking, blue-collar part of Georgia. Uh, Most people work for the Ford plant or Delta Airlines and mechanics um, or Coca-Cola. And I wanted to be the first person in my family to graduate college and and go have a professional career. And everything in my life led me to that path. And uh, there I was, 18 years old, had a full ride to the University of Georgia, half a ride to the University of Miami in Florida. Um, But unfortunately, the part of the story that I was scared to tell for years and years and years is I grew up with a significant amount of abuse and violence, especially inside the home and some outside the home on the street. And what happened to me as a very young man is instead of going one direction, I became what I hated. I became that abuse. I became that violence. And it happened suddenly behind the scenes and started running with the wrong crowd and other things happened. And at 18, when I was looking at potentially going to the University of Georgia on a full ride, Brian, I committed a violent crime. And I was looking at seven years in prison. And um, luckily, by the grace of God, the fact that it was a a first-time offense, um, it was dropped to two heavy misdemeanors, and I spent my 19th birthday incarcerated and and not going to college. Man. Talk about a God moment. Here's one of the first things that happened in my life that was transformational that I didn't even recognize at the time, is uh, a gentleman named Tony, who was a 40-plus-year-old, you know, I'm an 18-year-old skinny white kid in the South Atlanta jail. And a 45-year-old African-American gentleman decided to cross racial lines, and that is very unheard of in those, in those institutions, cross racial lines, mentor me, love me even when I couldn't love myself, and help me not become part of a revolving door system, as he called it. He called me young blood. He didn't call me Tommy. He always called me young blood. And he said, young blood, you're not going to be in here like I have been my whole life. And with his love, his mentorship, Um, I picked myself up and dusted myself off, went to work at a nuclear waste container factory during the day for $6 an hour, putting myself through school at community college at night, ended up at the University of Georgia anyway. And so, and from there, I was recruited to one of the largest financial accounting and consulting firms in the world, Deloitte. So I literally went from a jail cell to Deloitte and Touche in three years. Wow. And that was a big, big time accomplishment and um, unheard of. (laughs) I never even realized I would ever be in something like that. So, and that was a lot of his love, his mentorship, some grit, picking myself and dusting myself off. Now let's fast forward to when I was 36 years old, and this leads me into the two-year transformation. At 36 years old, again, coming from humble beginnings, there I am in the corner office 
I'm a principal in a large, a different firm, but a very large uh, financial consulting and public accounting firm in the Southeast United States. I was running the international practice, had the fancy suit, the cufflinks, the nice car, making more money than I probably needed to make, and thought I would be happy, fulfilled in life and um, at peace because this is what I've worked my whole life for. No one in my family had ever experienced anything like that. And brother, when I tell you I was unhappy, unfulfilled, felt like I was the only one in the room. And when the money, the power, the prestige didn't fill me up, brother, I turned to the darkness and um, went down a path that almost cost me my life, almost cost me my wife, and it almost cost me my career. And it was, um, it, it looked like the the movie, The Wolf of Wall Street. And if you haven't seen it, you haven't missed anything, but it was not a pretty sight. And so I found myself at 36 years old in downtown Atlanta, half-dressed, didn't know where my car was, looking up at the blue sky in a ditch. And um, didn't know what had happened the last three days, didn't want to know what happened. And, and I thought, my God, I need to, something in me, and I think it was something bigger than us, I think it was God, but at the time, it was a little voice. I don't know if it was that little boy who was abused. I don't know if it was a grown man who just didn't like where he was and where he was going and didn't know who he was. But something hit me. It's like, this isn't you. You've got to do something about this. So I went home, had a very long conversation with my wife, and we were going through uh, through uh, a lot of marriage counseling at the time, obviously. <laughs> clearly, clearly, all things weren't going at full full swing. Mm-hmm. But I remember there was a counselor that told me, Tommy, there's a place in Tennessee that can do more in you in seven days than I can do in 10 years. Because I think he saw how closed I was, how angry I was, how confused I was. And I didn't know at the time, it's actually a Christian-based organization. It's called On-Site Workshops. And I, I will plug them. They I get nothing from them, but they are amazing. And I went there and I saw that I wasn't alone in my fears, thoughts, insecurities. Saw that I wasn't alone in uh, my past and, and things I'd done and things that had happened to me. And they literally cut me open and put me back together with a group, a group of other 50 other brave people for uh, about seven days. And it was the most profound seven days of my life. It's the first time I felt. It's the first time I literally felt the presence of something greater than myself. I was scared to leave. I was so at peace and so comfortable with that place. And it's in a beautiful part of South Tennessee in the mountains. And so that began my two-year transformation into where I'm at now. It was a spiritual transformation. It was an emotional, mental, physical transformation. And I literally, Brian, made me my full-time job. And what I mean by that is every day I would get up and work on my spiritual muscles, my mental muscles, my emotional muscles, my physical muscles, because I think we got to work out on those things every day or they atrophy, just like not going to the gym. I call it going to the gym. Mm -hmm. From coaches to mentors to people that appeared in my life. So in two years, I never planned on leaving the firm and God willing, I still have my wife and I still had my career. Um, But in two years, here's what happened in my life by, by literally plugging in and doing the deep work every day. The inner game is what I call it. I went from a junior partner to a senior partner to elected to the board of directors and an equity holder of this large firm at 39 years old. I was on the board. Most of the other people were in their 60s. My money doubled. My network 10x'd. But I found peace, happiness. I went from working 60, 70, 80 hours a week down to 35. My relationship with my wife was the most solid it ever been. I found peace of mind, happiness, and fulfillment. And, and at the age of 39, so that happened between 36, 37, and 39. 
But at 39 years old, there I am, top of the financial world, a board member, a partner, happy. Went from being one of the most hated people in the firm to one of the most beloved to uh, to all of these men. I'll say men. It was women and men, but it was mostly men. Corporate executives, bankers, lawyers, entrepreneurs. You know, my network at the time started reaching out to me behind the scenes and saying, look, man, you didn't give up your ambition or drive, but you seem happier. You seem more content. You seem peaceful. And just started asking me for help. And what did I do? And that's when I was called. And it took a lot of courage to sell my equity and take 60% of our household income and go to zero. Oh, yeah. But I, but I decided to walk away. And I didn't know it at the time. I, I, I took some pivots here and there, but walk away to go find my purpose and calling. And that has led me to writing Legendary, which has now become a USA Today Wall Street bestseller, to speaking into men's life and mastermind settings and one-on-one settings. I run my retreats and conferences to um, living a life of purpose, significance, and legacy. And I get to I get to speak into and help people be more financially confident. I get to help them be better in their relationships. I get to help them be better men, but also emotionally, mentally, and spiritually sound. Mm-hmm. And I think the world needs that right now because I think there's a lot of men that are a lot lost generation. And we're not the disposable generation. We need the strong masculine. We need the strong feminine. And and I'm here and called to to speak into men's lives and we are growing this movement like a weed. I can't, you know, I wanted a lifestyle business, Brian. I wanted to work half a year and travel half a year because I was burned out from the financial world. Sure. And when I saw the impact this was having in people's lives and and I just um I'm called to do something bigger and and that has led me to me sitting on my porch in Atlanta and you in Oklahoma City and us having this amazing conversation today. So here we are. So thank you <laughs> there for it is. Yes. That. Thank you for letting me share that. <laughs> <laughs> of course. You know, going back to the inner game and working on yourself, where did you get the steps slash framework to do that? What was the game book? The, the first part of the game book, and I, ha- I can be more specific, so make me get as specific as you want to get. And I've got all sorts of tools in the toolbox. There's a lot of them. And, and I go deep into the simple tools and tactics in my book, Legendary. But here's where it started. Here, here's where the, it was two places. One was at that facility. It's called Onsite Workshops, one of the most beautiful. I recommend it. For, my wife actually went to the program after me. It's called Living Center. It's about finding balance and peace in your life and rebuilding. And when I left there, they gave me all of these tools in my toolbox from affirmations to gratitudes to working with a psychologist to finding a coach to books I could read to daily practices that I can incorporate in my life just to gain that self-confidence and self-respect, to gain more, uh, start mastering your mindset. You know, we all have this, this, this terrible voice inside our head that we're not good enough and all these things. And they, they really helped me that. But here's another God moment. Another male mentor, they just keep appearing in my life. And eventually, we talked about the road signs before we got on this, <laughs> the call. And, mm-hmm. you know, God puts these road signs in our life. And my goodness, you got to read them every now and then. <laughs> and I guess I'm a slow learner, Brian. But another, uh, <laughs> another male mentor appeared in my life who was big into the 12-step recovery program. And he took me through the 12 steps. I wasn't going through recovery per se, but I was emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. Mm. So between onsite and this this great man, his name's Kerry Gayho, that appeared in my life, everything that onsite told me to do, I doubled down and did it. And I did it every day because I didn't want to go back to that jail cell. I didn't want to go back to that ditch. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to live without integrity and grace. I just wanted to find out who I was. So between his love and mentorship, 
and the the steps those folks outlined me. You know, I never had planned on taking these steps and and helping you know men build legendary lives, but I was just trying to save my own life at the time. Right. And um, through their help and mentorship, and then coaches, and I tell you, once you start turning your light your head to the light, the things that appear in your life from mentors to friends, you know, all the negative naysayers and judges and angry folks kind of start disappearing. What I call the energy drains, they start disappearing out of your life. And all of the goodness just started appearing. So the the ground zero, if I had to say the genesis of it all was that program and the steps they gave me subsequent to that. And here's the thing, they can give you the steps, they can lead you to the water. It's up to you whether you drink it. And I was drinking. And then this 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 man who was just called to speak into my life, and he's still a dear friend and mentor to me to this day. And so that was the genesis of everything that has begun um, to just just give me the life that I'm living today. Man. So I'm just so grateful and humbled to be here. As you look back, Tommy, if you could pinpoint one or two things that had the greatest and deepest impact on you, what would you say they were in that process? I'll say three things. With a caveat, I think most of us think we're alone in the belief and knowledge that I was not. We all have our past. We all have our wounds. We all have our mistakes. We all have our insecurities, fears. Um, and we don't talk about them. You know, we, we try to put on the stoic mask and, and I got this. And so the first revelation was I'm not alone and I'm not a freak because um, I believed I was a freak. That is a terrible word to say to yourself. Um, for 37 years, because I don't, I didn't understand why I thought the way I did. I just thought I was, and I kept that inside. So that was the first revelation. The, the tactics, if I had to do three things, and I've added so many on since then, and I would say a gratitude practice, both formally and informally. When I wake up every single day, it's not only the most powerful prayer, but just a moment of when you open your eyes, thank you. Like take a deep breath in and thank you. I get another day. It's a great prayer and a great affirmation, great gratitude. And then I look at my wife. And, and so every day I, I write gratitudes. I'm constantly reminding myself to do an informal gratitude practice. It gets me present, gets me in the state of love and abundance, it gets me thankful for what I do have and lets me see the love and light in the world, not the darkness. So I would say gratitude practice, both informally and formally. It rewires your heart and your mind too. Mm-hmm. and gets your brain out of the way so your heart can connect with all that is. That's great. I love that. Let me just sit on that for just a second. Absolutely. It gets your brain out of the way. That's huge. Explain that. So I think the thing that gets in our way as human beings, it's a gift and a curse, is our brains. And if we get that brain out of the way and not overthinking it and connect our soul, our heart, you know, our wisest thing, our heart, our soul, everything that we are is is inside of us. And our brains try to think our way out of it. There's some things you can't think your way out of. Yeah, true. And you you re, and when you're in gratitude and you're in a place of you know when you give gratitude what you get back is grace mm. but when you remove the brain you can feel that grace and your heart is connected to to God and so when we can remove our brains it takes time it takes patience and again it takes consciousness too because I was just unaware of it for so long but getting our brains out of the way and letting our hearts and souls speak it's a beautiful thing it's a beautiful thing. It changed my life. So thank you for letting me share that. And forgive me for uh, moving on too fast. <laughs> That's okay. So we've got understanding, number one, you're not alone and you're not a freak. That was your language to yourself, right? 
it's a terrible thing to say, and it hurts me to even say that, but I felt that way for 36 years. Number two was the gratitude practice, formal and informal. And then you said there was a third that was with a caveat. Third is reading everything I could get my hands on. I'm talking about motivational books, inspirational books, spiritual books, and biographies of people that inspire me. The wisdom and knowledge and self-belief and self-confidence that you can get in the ancient books. There's a reason books stay around for 2,000 years, the Bible being a group, the, the biggest one. It's because the truth is in there. That They didn't go away. You know, Modern books go away. But reading everything I could put my hands on and applying those readings to my life. But every day, part of my daily practice is from reading scripture to great wisdom to um, every day I read passages out of the great books to help me prepare for the day, to help me get centered, to gain wisdom and to get get balanced and ready to go tackle the day. Because it's not when life, it's not if life happens, it's when. And so I'm not talking about just reading the great books and applying those into your life, but reading every day to gain knowledge, wisdom, spirit, and motivation. So reading everything I could get my hands on. And the last tactic that helps me is every day I meditate. And I do a lot of different meditations and I've been practicing for 10 years. Sometimes I meditate on a verse. Sometimes I do a guided meditation on courage or to help me with anger or to help me with forgiveness. Sometimes I do a silent meditation just to watch my monkey brain. I call it the Tommy go round, you know, that that thing in our head that never stops. (laughs) Just to watch it sometimes, I get quiet. What I found meditation does is it, it exercises my mind. It helps me to be proactive and not reactive. It puts me in a place of speak uh, of peace and presence. And when I'm med- meditating on some message or some verse or some wisdom to help me be a little bit better, it just keeps me calm. And, you know, the things that happen during the day that would make me angry or get me upset, I find when I don't meditate, even within two or three days, I find myself, you know, my, my shoulders are a little tighter. I'm a little bit more aggressive. I'm not proactive. I'm more reactive than proactive. And so those three things. I think the knowledge of not going, knowing I'm alone, but tactically, tactically, a formal and informal gratitude practice, reading everything you can get your hands on, but also have a morning reading practice. And then the third thing would be meditation. Those are the three things that I think that have helped my life the most. Before we hit record here today, I asked you about your experience and when you accepted Jesus Christ. And you said that the past two years have been a pretty dramatic shift in your relationship with him. Tell me where he's taking you now. What's going on? It's hard for me to describe. You know, I had a relationship not with Christ, but with Christianity that was not the not the best experience over a lot of years, and um, mm. and it closed my heart, closed my soul, closed my mind. But I'm telling you, within the last two years, when I've gotten back into the Word, um, asked for help, you know, accepted the Word, and started attending a lot of different churches with a lot of different messages and just really applied, you know, to get, to get my soul, like working back out on my soul for lack of a better word. And the things that are appearing in my life from conversations that I had this morning that I just simply cannot describe to opportunity in the workplace, to the relationship I have with my life, my wife, to love. I would, I would, if I had to, I'm getting chills just thinking about it, Brian, I can't, I wish there was a way I could quantify or to describe it. It's just when you allow love and goodness in from God, the love and goodness that comes out of you 
the faith that comes out of you, the belief that comes out of you. I guess the, the word is peace and freedom. I had tears coming out of my eyes from a coffee meeting this morning with a 25 year old young man. And I, and it, the only thing I can attribute to that is, is him. And so I'll, I'll just leave it at that. There's some key words you mentioned, allow love in. Mm. And what do you think keeps us as men from allowing love in, allowing God's love into our lives to make that transformation? You know, I think when we're born, it's there. And I think um, craving respect, you know, us men, we crave respect. I think we're competitive. I think we grow up in a very competitive, you know, and competition means that somebody has to lose. I think we don't want to be soft. I think we want to appear as warriors. And there's time for loving, forceful compassion. There's time for, you know, empathy and other things. But I think, I think it's programmed out of us. I think we want to be tough. We want to be respected. We want to compete. We want to conquer. There's locker room things. I grew up in athletics. And here's the hardest thing. I think for a lot of us men, um, it's hard for us to accept love because we don't love ourselves. And when we turn our love over to you know, something so much bigger than us and know that we're unconditionally loved with all of our flaws, insecurities, fears, worries, and you know, mistakes and sins, and, and to know that if we can receive that love, that's unconditional, and maybe we can learn to love ourselves a little bit too and live with self-confidence, integrity, values, and grace that we will be fully able to love others without condition. Now, it's not a conditional love. And so I think it's trained to into us. I think it's, uh, I think we as men, and it's something I talk about in the programs, I, do, I think we as men need to learn to talk about, hey, I have a problem receiving love. And, you know, when someone offers to give us love or give us a compliment or some gratitude, if we don't accept it, we're rejecting something that's greater than anything that we know. And when we allow that to come in, again, the feeling that comes back out to that other piece and uh, that other person and, and, and to, is grace. And I think we as men need to have more of these conversations to not only accept the love from God and the love from ourselves, but most importantly, love from others and so that we can love them fully. And so I think it's a I think it's a big question that we could dive into for hours and hours. But I think we're conditioned to that. And I think we allow it and choose it, honestly. You know, it seems to me if we sit before the Lord and we're just honest and say, God, I don't love myself the way I want to love myself, which sounds a little strange when you say it out loud, right? Mm. But what's wrong with saying that? What's wrong with asking God to help you or help me love myself the way you love me, Lord? Mm. That's it. That's it. Wouldn't that open something up? Wouldn't the world be a lot better place? I want to share a little story, and this is related to purpose, and I'd love your opinion on this. I went through a season where I was just desperately trying to get an idea of what my purpose was. So I started on a fast. I was seven days into my fast, no food, just drinking liquids, and one of my kids was having a birthday party at Chuck E. Cheese. So we're there, my wife's there, the family's there. And the pizza comes out, and the Holy Spirit says, have a piece of pizza. I'm like, Lord, no, I am fasting, and I'm not going to stop until I know my purpose. And the Holy Spirit said, Brian, you've made finding your purpose an idol. Have a piece of pizza. (laughs) So I did. When it comes to purpose, do you think that we tend to sometimes focus on that as an idol? 
trying to get that answer? Great question. You know, I've never been asked that question. One of my, one of my favorite things to talk about is purpose. Um, it can be. It, it, I think we can make it an idol. I think we can make anything an idol. Anything. Anything. Else. I know I did. Yeah. It, and it sounds like you did. So the answer would be in your situation, yes. And I've never been asked that. But what happened, what, what it sounds like to me is when you heard that message, it was clear. It helped you a little bit of freedom. And it helped you to understand that this search, this this quest was um, not the direction that you need. It sounds like even those 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 few days, of, it sounds like it was more than a few days of fasting made you clear, made you receptive. You heard it and you understood it. And what better, what better thing there is than that, right? And maybe it maybe all your pursuit was in this particular time and this particular season focused on the wrong thing. And it sounds like you were very clear to receive here and take action on that message. And what better reward than a nice slice of pizza? Now I'm getting hungry. <laughs> <laughs> right on. How do you define purpose? So here's how I define it. And I and I here's what I think about purpose. Um and not not when we want to make it an idol and we don't want to make it completely our North Star. Um, but for me, I'm going to say this about purpose. Purpose is, depending on the season of your life, the why you are here. And I think until our last breath on earth, we have a purpose. And it's up to us. And, and purpose is not about us. It's about service to others. And here's how I define purpose. It is the intersection of the following three things. It's the intersection of your God-given talents. And those are things that people come to you for or your natural-born gifts. So your God-given talents meet something that you love to do. And so if you don't like doing some of those God-given talents, you're not going to do them. So you must enjoy doing that God-given talent meets something that you think the world needs. And that can be a person, that can be a community, that can be an organization, it can be in church, it can be a higher cause. It can be the person sitting next to you. So it's using something you and your God-given talents that you enjoy and using those to serve your community, a person, the earth, an organization to make it a little bit better. And it's something bigger than us. It's outside of us. And it's where we use what God gave us to make this world and our communities just a little bit better than we found them. And that's how I define purpose. What do you think, Tommy, is one of the most important steps as you work with men all over the country and you've been on so many different podcasts talking about this? What do you think is the most important step a man can take to break free and walk in his God-given design? It's a, it's a two-step process. Asking for help. I think so many men die on the white horse. They let their pride and ego get in the way of the true courage to ask for help, to be vulnerable and say, you don't have it all figured out. That is courage. That is power. It's the courage to say, I, I need help. I don't have it all figured out. Mm -hmm. And to step over that line and ask for help. And I'll go back to it. And it's not losing face. It's not losing respect. People respect it more and they'll love you much more than you being wearing that stoic mask. And, and I'll go back to it. I think so many of us think that those internal desires and those demons and those thoughts in our head that aren't us, those thoughts, that's, that's the enemy. They think we're alone in those things and you're not alone. All of us have them. All of us have those temptations. All of us have those mistakes. All of us have those wounds. All of us are doing things that we regret or wish we would just stop. And so knowing you're not alone, 
and getting off the white horse and taking huge courageous action to ask for help, to know you're not alone, to be vulnerable and honest. And man, it will, the freedom that you'll have just by taking those, you know, uh, acknowledging the one and, and taking action on the other will save your life in the long run. Yeah, it will. Nobody ever says this typically to men is it, it's courageous to ask for help, which is what you're saying. I think that should be a mantra that we teach our sons. It's courageous to ask for help. That can just sit there. It's truth. Doesn't need defending. Nope. It's pure courage. Pure courage. Yeah. Let's kind of finish up the conversation here today talking about identity. I find that that is a huge challenge mm -hmm. for a lot of us as men is understanding our identity because we get that usually from our earthly father or from the situations and circumstances around us as we grow up. Where is the best place to find our identity? Well, it starts with God, right? Mm -hmm. um, and knowing that your, your identity is you're connected to all that is. And so many of us men and women, uh, this is a men and women thing, we put, we put our identities in all these external things. And, and this is going to sound a little harsh and a little sad. Um, from our family, to our friends, to our titles, to our money, to our things, to our respect, to our jobs, all of those things we think are our identities. And here's the sad truth is all of those can be taken away from us in a matter of seconds because those aren't ours. And there's not much that is ours. What is ours is our, our thoughts, our actions, our mindsets, and our soul. That's your identity. And you got to get quiet and you got to get in prayer. You got to get in meditation. And it's not that those things aren't important. Your family, your friends, your job, your money, your title, your things, they're all important. But they can all be taken away from you. And if you're not standing on a solid foundation, of God, faith, knowing who you are, where you're going, and who's coming with you, you're lost. And so all of those things can be taken away from you. So your identity is your soul. It's your DNA, and it's what connects you to all that is. And you got to find that place. And when you know that every all of those things, those external things that we just talked about, are gifts, and getting gratitude, and thank, thank your stars that every day you've got those things. And that enjoy them while you have them because they can be taken away in a second. But know that if they are taken away, it's not, again, if life happens, it's when that you're standing on a solid foundation of soul, of faith, of knowing who you are, where you're going, and who's coming with you. Nothing, Nobody can ever take that integrity and those core values away from you. So that's what I would say your identity is. As we finish up here, Tommy, two things. First of all, I'd like to ask you, what is the number one most frequent piece of advice that you give to your coaching clients? And then I'd love to have you pray for us and then share how people can get in touch with you and find out more about you. You know, people, <laughs> people come to me for the external things, more money, more power to be a better leader, to have more time to find purpose. That's what they want. But what they need is unconditional love and respect for themselves. They need to start mastering their mindset. They need to discover their why, their soul. And honestly, they, they, we need to be better in our relationships with our family, our friends, our significant others, our, our, our wives and husbands. And so there's, a, there's this delicate balance of what people think they want and what they actually need. And so you have to give them what you want at first. But so the advice I always give is, is we always start in one place and end the other is, 
no matter what your situation is, um, whether you want more success in life or more happiness or a better relationship with a spouse or more time or more purpose, the advice is this, is you have to go find the nearest mirror. And that's the problem and the solution. And you must choose to participate in your own rescue. Because intention without action is meaningless and action without intention is meaningless. And you got to get intentional and you got to take action. It's like the old joke of the guy, you know, the, the great flood comes and a boat comes along and says the guy and a helicopter comes to save the guy. And then he drowns and he asks God, you know, why didn't you save me? He goes, well, I sent a boat and a helicopter. And so, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a cute story, but it's very applicable. Because we have to be intentional about taking action and our actions need to have intention. So look in the mirror. If you're not satisfied in whatever area of your life it is, that is both the problem and solution. And you must participate in your own rescue. I love it. So could you please pray for our listeners? And before you do that, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you, find out more about what you're up to? Absolutely. Um, On social media, um, you can. it's at Tommy Breedlove, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook. Um, we put love, light, um, solutions. We don't, we don't get caught in the political darkness or division. We're always putting things out there that we hope help our fellow humans to be a little bit better each and every day. Um, my website is tommybreedlove.com. And if you're interested in my book, Legendary, um, it is at all of your favorite bookstores and it is in audible ebook, hardback, paperback, you name it. It's available. And we're just, we're just super grateful and thankful. Thankful. It's become a wall street journal in USA today, bestseller, but you can find me in any of those locations. would love to hear from you and um, I hope you check us out. Perfect. Let's have you pray for our listeners, please. Absolutely. Let's bow our heads and get quiet. Lord, first, let us say thank you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love unconditionally. And thank you for your guidance and light. Thy will be done, Lord. Use us. Guide us. Guide us in your vision and your will. Help us to understand that we're not alone in our mistakes, our confusion, our worries, our insecurities. And that with your love, all will be well. Help us live with courage. Help us live with patience. Help us live with presence and with kindness, love, and compassion. Thy will be done, Lord. And we are grateful and humble for your unconditional love. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Tommy, thank you for being on the program. It was wonderful speaking with you. Brian, nothing but love for you. Thank you again, and uh, just so grateful to be here. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. Please make sure you subscribe to the show and share this with someone you believe would be encouraged and motivated by these stories. Until next time, I'm Brian Robinson reminding you that the greatest decision you could ever make is to ask Jesus Christ to become the Lord of your life. If you haven't done that, read Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 11. Thanks again for listening.